Good morning, everyone. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Adrian. Uh, we're going to basically finish this series we've been in, uh, in this amazing letter uh, that Paul wrote to a church in Colossae that we've entitled to help us, uh, Jesus Changes Everything Full Stop, which what we've discovered week on, week out is that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has altered and changed everything that's known and unknown. Uh, and everything for us as individuals, everything for us as a church, everything for the whole of the cosmos. And I want to dive straight into uh, the last bit of this passage. I don't want to tell you an entertaining story to start off with, um, just because I think the passage uh, I'm hoping we'll see is slightly different to one that we'd may normally look at. So we're going to read verses 7 to 18, where Paul writes this, Tychius will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision, in other words, Jewish believers, uh, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea, in, in higher policies. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Giving, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha at the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. Just, I'm not going to preach on this, but I think this is quite a comical one. This has been read aloud to everyone and suddenly everyone's hearing it and suddenly there's a zoom in in Archippus. Archippus! See that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. You can see everyone in the room, like, turning to Archimus. Man, the focus is on you. Um, then he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. When I was pondering, this is where we're landing it, finishing the letter, I was thinking, man, what do we do here? This is just like a list of names. And I was thinking, do I zoom in on these different names? And we could look at just the wonder of who Onesimus is, of this guy who'd run away from his master as a slave, and yet because he comes to know Jesus, he then brings his reconciliation with his master, which you can read about in Philemon, or Philemon. And or we could have looked at Epaphras, this amazing guy who is a part of the Colossi church, who kind of went and uh, sought to kind of support Paul and yet continuously pray for his friends to be there involved in starting the whole church in Colossae. But as I kind of thought about it, I thought, you know what, I, I don't think that's it. Because what struck me as you read this list of names is that Jesus changes everything full stop, even in how people are mentioned. See, so often we sign off. I don't know if you've signed a card recently and you sign it off and you might just usually sign it off with the list of people that are part of your household. 
And so I know for me, I've got four other people that are part of my household, plus a couple of pets. And so it always gets kind of signed off in age order. So Adrian, Lucy, Emily, Sam, Rebecca, Ted, <laughs> who's our dog. And in it, it's this say, oh, this is who it is. And yet in this, how Paul signs off this letter isn't just with a list of names, but is with warmth. I knew this was going to happen. I'm now going to have to name all the other pets. So we've got a hamster called Dennis <laughs> and a couple of guinea pigs called Frappuccino and Cookie, who I really love. <laughs> um, you're welcome to come and meet all. It's like a petting zoo, our house. Um, So Paul, <laughs> I got to remember where I was. So Paul, he doesn't just list names. Rather, when you see these names mentioned, he can't help but share his warmth and his honouring of the individuals he mentions. So if we flip to the next slide, we find that he talks about Tychius and he says, oh, who's he? Oh, he's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant. It's not just Tychius. And he's one who my heart is after, my heart is for. He's one that's family to me. He's one that is always there, solid, who joins me in everything that I'm about. He's one that also stands alongside me seeking to serve everyone with this amazing news of who we have in Jesus. That's who Tychius is. And he says, oh, Onesimus, oh, he's faithful and a beloved brother. He's just there, always standing his ground with me. And oh, how I love him, my warmth of him. I don't, how many people do you describe as your beloved? Paul says, oh, this guy, he's my beloved. He's my brother, my family. Aristus, uh, I, I knew this was going to happen. Aristarchus, Mark and Justice. He kind of groups them together and he just says, oh, who are these guys? Are they the ones that just bring me comfort? Imagine that being said of you. Who is this? Oh, they just bring me comfort. That's who they are. Like Paul at this moment is suffering in prison. You know, he's in chains. He wants him to know he's writing it in chains, in prison. And yet he's saying, oh, but in this place, I'm not alone. I know comfort, comfort from these guys. And he says, Epaphras, who's he? Oh, he's the one who's continuously struggling, wrestling in prayer on your behalf. Wow, this is who this guy is. He's not any old person. He isn't like, hey, he's the guy who found you. Oh, no, he's the one who, whenever I see him, he's one who's just continuously struggling, wrestling in prayer before God, not for himself, for you. And then he carries on Luke. Who's Luke? We find out finally who Luke is, the one who we know wrote a gospel account of who Jesus is, the one we know who then wrote this kind of Acts of the Apostles, this kind of story of how the church's birth now is expanded. Says, oh, who is he? Oh, he's a beloved doctor. He's there caring for me. He's one who my heart is for. See, Paul doesn't see this bunch of people just as some people that are serving him. 
He says, no, this, this is this crowd of people with me who I want to honor. And the honor that he gives to these individuals, many of whom we don't really know, actually is an honor that has gone on through the ages. So 2,000 plus years later, we can sit here, stand here in this room and think, oh, who are these people? Oh, they're honored. Honored by who they are and how they live. And it's that that I want us to get hold of today as we finish this whole series, is that we are to be a people, we are to be individuals who live seeking to honor others. Who live seeking to honor others, both when we gather together like this as church, or in small groups, or over meals, whatever it looks like, that as we gather, we're seeking to honor others, but also as we scatter into the world around us in the unique environments that God has placed us in, that we're seeking to honor others. And what does that word honoring mean? Where it means to recognize value, to respect, to esteem, which impacts how we see and treat others. See, we live in a world that is filled with cynicism, where conversations generally are negative about people and things. And it's into that that it's as simple to bring the life and light of Jesus, who changes everything full stop, literally, by how we honor others. You know, when we come to gather together, this would be the best environment ever because it's an environment we come collectively to think, actually, who in the room am I going to get the privilege of honoring today? No, not who's going to notice me. No, no, it's who do I get to notice? That when I go out in the world, that tomorrow morning, whatever we're giving into our time, whether it's the shop we go to, the job we're in, the recovery we're part of, the um, exam we're about to take, that we go in thinking, who do I get to honor here? That's the invitation, the invitation to an adventure. But the challenge is we can start to think, but I kind of feel like I've got enough going on. This feels like a pressure of how do I look out for others. Well, we need to understand that before we get on to honoring, that we have been honored. That we've been more honored than we could dare to believe once we've put our, our, the center of our being around the life of who Jesus is, his life, death, and resurrection. That in putting our faith and trust in Jesus, it suddenly transforms the honor that you and I live with. You see, Paul says that the very end of the letter, he just says, grace be with you. And in it, what we find with the letter of Colossians is it's a, a sandwich of grace. He opens up the letter by saying grace, and he ends it by saying grace. And that's on purpose. Because he wants everyone to know that this whole letter, everything he's writing, is engulfed, smothered, saturated, sandwiched by grace. Because it isn't just about this letter, it's meant to be about our lives. Our lives in centering on Jesus is one that starts in grace and is covered by grace, and I promise you will end in grace. Grace is that word that describes God's unconditional, unmerited, undeserved love and favor towards you and me, revealed in Jesus Christ. Paul says, that's what you're to know. You're, you're to be one. You're, we're to be those that are continuously saturated by grace, a life sandwiched by it. Just picture it for a moment. There's the, the sandwich of grace with me in the middle, tasty, grace either side. That's how I get to live my life. But the thing is that grace, the, uncon 
undeserved, unconditional, unmerited favor and love of God revealed through Jesus can still feel a bit like, oh, how does that work itself out? Well, so many ways this grace works itself out. Paul has littered the whole of Colossians with many, many moments. But the one I want us to get hold of in terms of the fact that we're honored is this. Where Paul writes in a different letter. Oh, sorry, not Paul. So John writes in this understanding of the wonder of what Jesus has done for us. And he writes this, 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Grace means, as we receive Jesus, we become children of God. Suddenly, our dad, our father, is the one who's over and above everything. The one who is able to speak, and the word creates through the spirit everything. The Father who is the origin of all love is us. That we're not could be, but are children of his. And as such, because we're his children, it means that we get to live knowing that we're forever his treasured ones. It isn't that we sometimes are, it isn't sometimes we might be, it isn't that actually some are more kind of liked by God than others. No, no, it's that God sees every single one of us as his. And in it be, and us being his children, he honors us not just through the status of being his child, but also in how he speaks about us. And to understand how he speaks about us as his children, we have to understand about how he spoke about the one who's eternally been his child, his son, Jesus. And Peter, one of Jesus' friends, had this moment of revelation where he got with a couple of others to see the wonder of who Jesus is as he goes up this mountain and Jesus is transfigured and the full glory of who he is is revealed. And Peter's forever changed at that moment because he suddenly realized that this isn't a man, this is God. And this is one who's forever revealed and honored by the Father. As he writes this, and he says, 2 Peter 1.17, for when he received honor and glory from the God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That when the Father gets a moment to vocalize what the Son had eternally known, He can't help himself but summarize it like this. This is my beloved one, the one my heart is for, the one my love pours out over, and with him I'm well pleased. That's what the father always says over the son, because he's his child. Here's the thing that's amazing, is we are his children. Therefore, what has been said over the son is eternally now said over you and I. In putting our faith and trust in Jesus, the Father eternally, forever, calls out over us. Not in some majestic moment at the top of a mountain, but from the moment we're asleep to the moment we wake. This is my beloved. With them I am well pleased. That's what the Father's calling out over us, continuously. See, what I think here is that Paul understood this. Why did Paul understand it? Because the word he uses to describe those around him who he wants to honor is what? The beloved. 
Friend, this is a guy who is rooted in the fact that he was beloved, not by humans, but by an eternal father who's forever set his love and honor on him. And Paul knew that, and he was forever transformed. He didn't wake up thinking, how am I going to please God today? He woke up thinking, God, you love me, and you're well pleased with me. And the invitation to you and I is to live from that place of honor. I don't know how you woke up today. I don't know what's going on in this moment. But what about if you woke up like this? From the moment you woke up, you heard the truth of this proclaimed over you. You're mine. You're mine, and I so eternally love you. You're my beloved, and you I am well pleased with. How would your day pan out if throughout your day, all you're hearing, all I'm hearing, is that moment of the voice of the Father breaking in, saying, hey, this is my loved one. With him or her, I'm well pleased. Imagine that for a moment, that whenever we enter a room, what gets proclaimed before we enter is, here comes Adrian, he's my beloved. With him, I'm well pleased. And how would we walk differently? How would we act differently when we're like that? You see, this isn't something I'm trying to convince us of. This is a truth that's there. The question is, do we live receiving it? Which brings me on to containers and colanders. See, the reality is this, that the Father continuously wants to pour into us that we are loved by him and that he is so pleased with you and I. But the thing is, I think, that we sometimes think, well, okay, I've got it. Sorry, it sounds a bit like I'm weeing. Um, uh, I just thought I'd point out the obvious because it's going to sound more and more like that. But... We kind of think, that's it, I, I kind of know, I, I, I'm kind of getting this, that I'm loved by the Father, and I have received that I am now forever one who he said he's well pleased with. I don't need to earn anything from anyone else, because man, the Father is pleased with me. The Father who is the origin of all goodness, love, purity, holiness, he's pleased with me. And I think sometimes we think, oh, that's enough. That's enough, I've got it. And the Father says, no, no, I, I want you to live in this reality continuously. Continuously knowing my love. Continuously knowing my pleasure in you. Continuously knowing that I am forever pleased with you. Because as we live like that, we can't help but spill out. The Father doesn't want us to work hard at this. The Father just wants us to spill out the honor that we receive from him. But the reality is this. I think for many of us, we start off with this great container that God created. It's who you are. You were created in his image to be one who was a bearer of who he is. You were made perfectly like nothing else in the whole of creation to contain the Father's love and pleasure. But the thing is, life comes. Life comes through the things we do. Life comes through 
the things that are done to us, the words that are spoken over us. And what it does is it perforates us. It perforates us so that the container we end up with is a colander. Jenny is going to look like a weird self. There's two reasons I'm doing this. One is, this is a building, it doesn't matter. Let's never get precious about carpets. It doesn't matter. The other is this. I think some of us have heard this truth that we are loved by the Father. And he tells, speaks continuously over us that he is so pleased with us, but we can never hear it. With a colander, it just floods out. And that isn't God's desire for you. He never made you to be a colander. He really didn't. See, for me, and I've told this story before, that I remember when I was 13, uh, a science teacher I had, and I don't understand why she did this, but she did it. I'm never going to name her because I feel like that's not an honoring thing. But I remember this science teacher I had. She, uh, one day, she maybe had a bad day, I don't know. But anyway, she looked around the class I was in, there's 30 of us, and she named every single one of us, and she went around and she said, we'll not get a GCSE, we'll not get a GCSE, we'll not get a GCSE, we'll not get a GCSE. She got to me and she said, might get a GCSE. Another of my friends might get a GCSE. And then went around the rest of the room, will not get a GCSE. All of us left that room perforated. And we left perforated with this edge of actually, maybe she sees something we don't. And it defined us, whether she meant to or not, it defined us differently. And what it meant is for 25 other people in that room, they took that on board and they fulfilled it. Many of my friends who I grew up with didn't get any GCSEs. They gave up on education. They turned to other things, uh, sought to live in other ways, and uh, I won't go into some of their stories, but that's what they went to. For me, I left thinking, maybe she's right. Maybe who I am is someone who never really will amount to anything. It's probably a little bit stupid, and also is gonna be one who needs to work very, very hard to ever do anything that's going to be worthy of any level of praise. And though it was her starting point, what I did is I perforated more holes to believe that. So I grew up and genuinely believed I was thick. Genuinely believed that I would amount to nothing. I look back and think, but it's just, a, it's just one lesson. What did it matter? Like one lesson at age 13. Yet it perforated enough holes for me then to start to think maybe this is true and then circumstances would come along and things would happen which would make me think, hey, maybe she was right. And I lived probably for a decade thinking, not worthy of love, will not amount to anything. And then suddenly I realized the wonder of who Jesus is. See, Jesus isn't just there as a lifeline. Jesus is there to offer us peace and wholeness. And that wholeness that he offers is in order that we can know healing from the perforations. The perforations of what others have done to us, but also the ones that we've done to ourselves where we can say, God, I need your forgiveness. 
And Jesus comes and over time renews us to understand we were never meant to be colanders. We were meant to be containers. In order that I can realize that that science teacher doesn't define me, the Father does. The origin of everything. And what he says is, I am forever loved. And he is well pleased with me. Are you living with a colander? Because today is a day where you say, goodbye, colander. Jesus, would you give me your wholeness in order that I can contain the love of the Father towards me? Because as we get this, it causes us to live differently. It causes us to spill out of that sense of, man, I'm more loved than I could dare to believe. I'm more affirmed than I could ever imagine. The Father is pleased with me. He who is the fulfillment of righteousness is pleased with me. And what happens then is it then causes me to spill out onto others. I can't help but seek to honor others. So it gets us to that point then of how then we seek to honor others, both in the gathered, when we come together. We suddenly realize, hey, I'm not coming here because I need someone else to do something for me. No, no, I've realized I've got everything. God, the creator of everything and everyone, loves me, loves me eternally with more love than I can contain. He's declared that I am right, that I'm good. And that's what spills out of me. Therefore, when I come and I gather with others like this or in a small group or over a meal or just as I bump into someone from church in the shop, is that suddenly it's that moment where I get to spill out over them. But the question is, how then do we live honoring one another? Well, I'd say let's do five things. Firstly, we need to be those who look and listen. We have to be aware of others. Look around of what's going on in people's lives. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to the stepping out that they do. In order that we can be those who what? Then actually get to honor who they are and what they're doing. And whenever I arrive at anything, I'm, I'm looking and listening at who's in the room. Who do I get the adventure of honoring today? The second thing is that when we need to speak to, and in speaking to, I'd say it's both direct and indirect. The direct way is you literally go up to someone and say, hey, when I realized this, I just thought it was amazing that you did that. It's that simple. So for example, today I get the privilege of sitting next to two different people. So first I get to speak next to Helen. And Helen's like just taking her finals uh, in medicine. And I just think, man, how she's containing herself through this, that she could have chosen to say, actually today, I need to just stay at home and revise. And yet today she says, no, I still, God, want you to be at the center. And God says, that's amazing. And that he is going to be the source of your peace through the next week. Because you're doing great. You've got this far, keep going. I didn't get to sit next to Andy and Miranda. I'm like sandwiched between amazing people. I didn't get to speak to Andy and Miranda. Turn to Andy during worship. We're going to be singing to God. I remember there's people with me as well. Talk to Andy. How are you doing? Hanging in there. Do you know what? These guys are hanging in there through Andy's cancer journey. And they do it with such grace and excellence. 
And I have counted it a privilege to be in a community with both of you. And I know it isn't easy, but you conduct yourself so well. So we speak it directly. We also, some of us, we think, oh, that's all right for you, Adrian. You like talking, don't you? Like, I don't like talking to people. Well, we do it indirectly. We do it through writing, through sending texts. I often finish a Sunday by sending texts to lots of different people of what I loved in terms of gathering with them. Like, it's that simple. It's also about how we speak about. So not only how we speak to, it's about how we speak about people. It's honoring them. Never start a conversation with, did you hear about? No, no. It's, let me share about the wonder of who this person is and what they're doing. I can't help but tell you about this beloved one. It's about acts. Acts of honoring, of meals and gifts. You know, the person I find the prime example of this is Anne Betts. Anne Betts is just remarkable. And I don't say this, Anne, to put you under pressure, because it just spills out from there. It's, it's that Anne is just phenomenal of just honoring people through meals. There's been many moments in the Hearst household where Anne Betts has just turned up and said, I just thought I should cook you this because we love you at a moment that she didn't know we didn't have anything to eat or that we'd just run out of energy to do something. And it's just that moment you think, man, I'm loved. I'm honored. This is amazing. Affirmation, last one. We look out for one another. And when we see someone step out in something new, we affirm them. And I think in affirming them, that can be like saying, yes, I agree. One of the greatest things someone taught me to do is when praying... Uh, he said, when you pray out in a meeting, like always say yes to what other people are saying. Because surely you agree with what they're saying. And it will kind of spur them on. And they used to do that for me. And so I'd pray, and I don't know what I was praying, but they'd be like, yes, yes. And I'd be thinking, oh, this must be all right. I'm going to keep going. But why do I continuously say yes or very good? You all know I say it. It's because I genuinely believe that. When someone's stepping out and thinking, this is very good. Like, we should be that kind of people that can't help but push one another forward and turning up. And when I hear about someone doing something, I think, man, I'm there with you. I'm believing in what you're doing. This is going to be great. So it's that we honor through these actions. It's also, can I quickly just say about how we receive honor? We're British. We don't like this. Three things in terms of receiving honor. I say, firstly, pause and listen to what's being said. Now, so often we can just quickly bat it away. Oh, no, 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 no. wasn't me. wasn't me. No, no. The point of honoring is that you receive it. Receive it. So firstly, listen to what is being shared with you, done for you, spoken to you, written to you. Receive it. Then in the pause, then I'd say, secondly, accept it. And I'd say one of the best things you could do, a friend of mine, Wendy Mann, uh, taught me this. She said, just breathe in. <laughs> Like, take a moment in you pausing to listen to them receive it by literally breathing in, just as you would oxygen that's going to keep you alive. Breathe in the honoring that's come to you. It's <sighs> oh, good. And then, lastly, say thanks. Why is that? Because you'll feel embarrassed. And you, what you'll want to immediately say is, oh, no, 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 there's nothing to do with me, actually, actually, no, 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 no. Or... Oh, but you're amazing. 
I'm going to outdo you in the honor. No, no. In that moment, you know what I do? And if you've ever, I find this hard. I find it hard to receive honor. I don't like it because I squirm a bit because I'm still coming to terms with it. But you know what I'm trying to do is pause, listen to what's being said, receive, breathe it in. And then I say, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your kindness. And that's it. I don't need to say anything more. Thank you for your kindness. That's how we receive it. That's just when we're gathered. Then there's the adventure of when we get scattered. That we get to live out of that bubbling over of the honoring that God's given to us in the unique environments that you and I have been placed in. So we do the same stuff. We get to look and listen. And I love it. I love going to shops. My family doesn't like going to shops with me. But I'm a nightmare. I'm continuously looking at who's the person I'm going to get to talk to. The checkout person, the person doing the shelves, or, or just some security guard. And I'm like immediately in, hi, who are you? And they're thinking, oh no, fruitcake. And I'm thinking, man, I'm looking for the moment. Man, the number of amazing conversations I've just had by how's your day going? And they said, oh well. And I said, man, what you do is fantastic. Like I've got guys at the co-op near my place where like people walking in genuinely think people are my friends they're, they're, I am friendly with them I wouldn't say we hang out lots it's just all I'm trying to do is honour them whenever I go in then there's my neighbours I don't know what your world is but the adventure is this that we get to be those that from the moments we're walking through a day we're continuously cascading that love that God has poured into us that honouring and affirmation that God has poured into us of that we are now he, those that he's pleased with out over everyone we don't kind of walk into the office thinking oh man it's a bad day today isn't it no, no, we walk in thinking, who do I get the adventure of honoring today? Man, who's the bunch of flowers for? Who's the drink that I'm going to make for? Who's the one that I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to wash up. I'm going to do that work for you. Because I think you're fantastic. See, as we live this way, I think it begins to breathe the life of Jesus who changes everything full stop. See, I want us to be a company of people that whenever we gather we're just thinking, man, what a privilege I get to live in the honor that God has given me and spill it out on others here. Who is it today, God, I get to honor? And as we leave this place, that we're continuously looking for moments to say, how can I honor those around me? What I want to do to finish off with is an activation exercise. And there's a little colored piece of card uh, near where you are, hopefully on your seat. And what I'd ask you to do, and we're going to finish here, is I'm not going to pray. Um, I'm rather going to ask you to do a bold thing. I want you to think about There's some pens that will get passed around. And then maybe you want to write something, maybe you want to draw something, and maybe you just want to think about something. I want you to think about someone in this room who you just want to honor. For some of us, we're not going to have the boldness to go and say it. Therefore, we want to run and just quickly give them the card and run off. That's okay. That's brilliant. And if we're those and we say, well, I, I don't really know anyone, that's okay. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, why not pray and say, God, would you speak to me about someone I should say something about in this room? Or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. And for you, I'd say the most honoring thing I can do to you is say, you don't have to do this. But what I would want you to know is that God really loves you way more than you could ever imagine.
and he so wants you to live in his pleasure. But for all of us, I want us to just take a moment. Can I say one other thing? If we don't get any cards at the end of it, that doesn't mean that we're not to be honored about anything. It's rather that God maybe just wants us to live more as a container, not as a colander. And the thing he wants for us is to say, actually, I receive, Father, your love and affirmation for me afresh today. But there you go. I'm done. Make a note of someone you're going to honor in this room. And then literally in 60 seconds time, I'm going to say, we're done. We then get to share them. Those of us who've got kids will then go and grab a kid that is ours. And then we'll get some tea and coffee. Is that right? Yes, Adrian. Thank you.